0: I had a lovely chat with Magnus Unemer on implementing a marketing automation strategy, artificial intelligence, and the impact this will have on society. Of course, we discussed the darker side to big data and how companies like Facebook have misused this, but done well and with good conscience, AI-driven marketing automation can not only propel your sales but can waste less of your audience's time and energy through targeted interactions. So hello, Magnus. Thanks for joining me this morning. And thanks for having me here. Pleasure, pleasure. Um, So you're very much into marketing. Uh, In fact, you've written several books on the subject and you were kind enough to let me have a copy of your latest one, which is all about marketing automation and how artificial intelligence can support this.
1: Yeah, I've written uh, five books and uh, the last one is obviously about uh, marketing uh, with artificial intelligence and um, some interest uh, I have had for a few years. Uh, I come from a software industry and uh, artificial intelligence is uh, clearly... Uh, something that will have a big impact in the future for pretty much any industry, I think.
0: Mm, no, I, I, it's something I have a passing interest for. I find it difficult to go deep into it to find out more. So I i did skim your book before we've spoken. I'm going to pick out a few extracts from it, but I, I'm interested to take it further. So uh, that'll be something I'll be reading over, over the coming weeks. Um, mm. bef- before we go on, could you give me a bit of your background? How did you get into marketing and particularly this sort of data side of it?
1: Yeah, I think I have quite a rare or unusual background uh, being a marketeer. Um, I actually started as a software developer 25 years ago and I worked in the uh, semiconductor and microprocessor chip industry mm-hmm. uh, developing software for uh, for electronics design. So the um, software we developed uh, was used by engineers to design the next generation of electronics. Uh, but I quickly found out that it was more interesting to talk about the software products we developed rather than uh, writing the code right. for them. So, yeah. um, so for the last 20 years or so, I have been on the marketing side uh, of software companies. And uh, the last 13 or 14 years, I was the co-founder and co-owner of a software company, and I acted as the Vice President of Sales and Marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we were a fairly small, high-tech company, uh, we limited financial resources, uh, we quickly realized that uh, marketing automation and internet marketing was the way to go, especially since we had uh, customers across the globe, so we couldn't really fly out uh, on physical meetings with each and every uh, potential customer. Mm-hmm. So. I started quite quickly to, uh, to uh, grow my interest in marketing automation and internet marketing. And uh, given the fact that I am from the software industry, it made sense. And um, since I've been the VP of sales and marketing for a decade or so, uh, still having the software interest, uh, marketing automation and, and marketing with artificial intelligence uh, seemed to be, uh, be a natural fit for me.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that you mention coming across marketing automation as a means to an end. So it's not something Mm -hmm. where you thought, oh, there's some technology, how can we fit it in? You were saying, well, we have this business, how can we run it more effectively and marketing automation fit the bill?
1: Yeah, so basically we were a fairly small company. Mm -hmm. Um, We had customers in over 50 countries uh, and uh, too little financial resources to do everything we wanted. So marketing automation seemed to be a fantastic way to... Uh, capture more leads uh, from the website, uh, nurture them automatically towards purchase. And uh, once the uh, marketing automation machinery was set up, uh, we could scale uh, massively without adding any additional work uh, at all. Mm. Also, since we had uh, the the skills in software uh, or advanced software technologies, it wasn't really intimidating uh, to us. uh, I feel that some marketeers sometimes feel that marketing automation is a bit intimidating, but Mm. that was never a problem for us
0: yeah it can be, and I want to touch on some areas later where um in some cases this and this may inhibit people from starting down this path that there's mm. um that you feel that they're you're not in control of marketing, but let's let's come on to that later. Um mm. perhaps you could give me a rundown for people who aren't aware how marketing automation works, and especially in this data driven marketing world.
1: So marketing automation is basically about setting up an automated machinery or a software robot that um, implements the uh, sales and marketing processes automatically. Uh, so the traditional, uh, very simple way of marketing automation, which in my opinion isn't marketing automation at all, is to have some kind of a lead capture form on the website. Mm-hmm. And then you start to send a, a series of follow-up emails or nurturing emails uh, to those people who register in the form. Uh, that to me is not marketing automation, actually. It's just email marketing. Yeah. But if we add some smart or clever uh, logic to that, um, then we, we actually create an automated system uh, with a marketing automation software. So, for example, we can offer a uh, webinar. People have to sign up to the webinar. Mm -hmm. And so the marketing automation system knows who enrolled in the webinar or signed up for the webinar. Uh, It then automatically sends uh, reminders uh, maybe one day before and one hour before the webinar takes place. And after the webinar, the system can actually check who attended. And then the system have an if-then-else logic uh, that uh, sends different nurturing emails to those who registered and attended versus those who registered and didn't attend. Mm -hmm. So for example we can send a webinar um, recording or replay to those who didn't attend and to those who did attend we send a sequence of emails with a soft sales message for example. Uh, A couple of those emails can drive traffic to an online booking calendar where the lead can himself um, book a um, a conference call or a, or a call with a sales guy, for example. Uh, we can measure what people do on the website. Whoever has uh, visited more than 25 pages on the website, for example, gets mm-hmm. a score. This is called a lead score. And then we can have a uh, trigger thresholds such that whoever have more than 25 points in activity, uh, we start to send them automatically a sequence of Nautering emails with a soft sales message, uh, whenever someone do a lot more on the website, um, they reach the uh, threshold of 50 of lead score. Mm-hmm. And then we can send them a sequence of uh, hard sales uh, messages. And whenever someone do even more and reach the threshold level of 75, then we don't send an an email to that person anymore, but rather we send an email to the sales guy and ask Mm. the sales guy to make a physical phone call to that person because he or she seems to be really interested. So we can basically hook in the marketing automation system to our website. It monitors what people do, for example, which page views uh, they... they, uh, they trigger uh, mm-hmm. what the forms they submit, whether or not they open an email, whether or not they attend to a webinar. You can even uh, monitor how someone watches a video clip on the website. Not only if they watch it, but how. Mm-hmm. So whenever someone watches uh, more than 35 seconds of a video clip on the website, I can send one sequence of follow-up emails. But those who watch more than two minutes of the same video, uh, I will send a different set of uh, follow-up emails, too, for example.
0: Yeah, and that that makes quite a lot of sense in terms of working out the intent that people have, the interest, and then providing them with the right information at the right time, hopefully not bombarding them. It hopefully is more improved for the customer. They're not getting bombarded by a standard campaign that's being sent out to 20,000 people or more. Um, It's it's responding to them.
1: Exactly. So basically what we do is that we install Tripwire uh, in different Mm. places on the website Whenever someone does something specific, such as downloading a particular PDF or visiting the pricing page or uh, enrolls in a webinar, for example, that activity uh, triggers a follow-up logic that may send a couple of emails that relates to that specific action. Mm. The more things people do on the website, the more things uh, we will do with them because they are appear apparently more interested at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But if they stop doing things, then when we stop sending them so many emails. And we may have, for example, just uh, a background uh, newsletter email campaign that sends perhaps one email a month for every second week or something. Um, but every uh, email we send becomes much more targeted and it's uh, context adapted. So it's it is sent because someone has shown a particular interest in that specific topic.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it can get quite complex, though, just thinking about the um, the flow you've described there. How do you map that
1: out? So the best thing is to to take a pen on the whiteboard and uh, basically <laughs> yeah. sketch the, the, the uh, flow you want, and that is called a sales funnel, basically, where mm-hmm. you chart or plot out the the behavior activity you want and how you want to nurture people towards the purchase and what activities and touch points you want to create on that journey mm. um, so uh, also for example if if, uh, if, if a sales funnel send a few nurturing emails asking the recipient to do something you know click click this button to and watch this video or something then uh, the activities of that person drives the sales funnel forward as well. Mm-hmm. And dependent on what they do, dependent on if they watch the video we propose or dependent on if they open an email or not, then we can adjust the uh, coming touch points further down in, in the funnel and uh, adapt, make it ad- adaptive to their own behaviors.
0: And do you think with doing, setting these up, is it better to start with a more complicated funnel or system and then pair it back or start simply and add more to it as you, especially for someone who's coming at it from a new, um, you know, from new?
1: No, you should uh, obviously start with with something simple and Mm. extend it. uh, I think uh, the 80-20 rule is is good here. Um, Automate the 20% that gives the 80% of the results. Uh, So if you have 10 lead magnets, for example, Uh, all offered behind a um, a registration form wall. Um, Obviously start uh, to create a sales funnel uh, for the lead magnet that has the the majority of the registrations and then you can address the less popular lead magnets later.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Use your time more effectively. So, Mm. I mean, that gives us an overview of marketing automation and hopefully Saving people time and also giving the customer more relevant information to help make a decision. I, I particularly like your, um, you're talking about backing off as well. So if, if you feel that people have got to a point when they haven't made a decision, not bombarding them and not keeping them at that high intensity level, but actually pulling back. Because I have found in the past that um, funnels that I've been caught in they will continue at a high level for much longer and and you find that you become adverse to the brand that actually they they're deteriorating what benefit they did have initially by um by carrying on too hard and i think that's uh, important for people to to back off at some point
1: yes and i think that's the responsibility of a person setting up the marketing automation logic yeah. to actually consider how many emails uh, this particular person may may receive every day or week um, and I try to design the various funnels such that even if a person triggers several of them in parallel, uh, even so, they don't get more than maximum two emails every week, or, or preferably even less.
0: Yeah, so it's, it requires a lot of forethought and care on your part to help when you're designing yes.
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It's uh, very easy to misuse or abuse a mm. marketing automation system and become very spammy. Um, but the whole point with marketing automation is just the opposite to become less spammy, uh, perhaps sending less uh, emails even, uh, yeah. but doing that much more uh, targeted with the, with the right information yeah. at the right time.
0: So- yeah, absolutely. We should be helping people um, buy or, or find out information for things that they're already interested in rather than bombarding them with things that they're not they're not into or not interested in. Um, for me, I, I'm very much to the concept of where possible in uh, inbound marketing. So putting things out there, allowing people to find them, and then encouraging them and following up when they are interested in something. So, so this follows along with that. So y- you also talk about artificial intelligence. So this is one step further. How does, how does that fit in with marketing automation to uh, or that process?
1: So I usually uh, sketch a triangle when I try to explain this uh if you have a triangle with three layers at the bottom uh, you have a very wide base there's a lot of companies using a CRM system. Most, at least B2B companies, use a CRM system to mm-hmm. record uh, their leads and customers and, and, and sales activities uh, with those people. So the basic level uh, these days, uh, at least for B2B companies, would be to have a CRM system and most do. Um, if you take one step up in the py- pyramid, uh, one one level up in the pyramid, then um there's a lot uh, fewer people in that group that actually uses marketing automation or traditional marketing automation. Um, but I think that any company, uh, certainly above uh, five five employees or something, should absolutely use marketing automation. Um, at least if the internet is uh, is of interest to our um, business. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are fewer people using marketing automation compared to companies using CRM systems, uh, obviously. Um, but if you take a third step up in the pyramid, the third third layer or third floor Uh, at the very top of the pyramid. uh, We have marketing automation that is driven by uh, AI insights and uh, currently there's very few companies using AI in their marketing Um, and it's the top of the technical level let's say. But I think that uh, AI will become commonplace in maybe in, in a year or maximum two. Mm-hmm. Uh, every company more or less will use AI in their marketing. Uh, they may not be aware of it, but they will use it uh, because it will be hidden under the bonnet uh, of, of the uh, marketing software they use already, such as Gmail or uh, you know MailChimp or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and AI can be used in practically any part of, of marketing. Uh, in my book, I think I think I outlined probably 200 different ways you can use AI in marketing and a very simple um, usage that I think every email marketing solution will include in in a year or perhaps two is uh, to use AI to predict at what time of the day uh, certain people in the email list should receive email to guarantee the highest possible open rate. So email marketing software can, for example, predict at what time A specific lead uh, should receive an email. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you send uh, 100,000 emails to 100,000 leads, they will not be sent at the same time, but maybe at 100,000 different times during the same day, all based on the past experiences of how that person and other similar people have opened emails in the past.
0: Mm. So that's right. Yeah. So it can learn over time uh, Mm. where the click rates are highest for those individuals. Mm. Yeah, there's there's also another example in your book, um, which I thought would be good to just uh, draw out here about health clubs, um, and one of the one of the example was that health clubs could use artificial intelligence to find attendance patterns and look at those and match it with people who cancel, and over time you can get a better idea about when people are likely to cancel because you can see that maybe they start turning up a little less or there's some other activity like they don't grab a coffee after they finish their workout or whatever it might be. But it's understanding those patterns and then coming up with preemptive behavior to interact with them somehow, whether it's um, asking a member of staff to to sort of um, get give them some more training or um, give them some more material or you know other more traditional uh, email marketing like we've talked about, and I hmm. I think this is uh, you go on to explain that Netflix and other companies um, can can use that to for the same um, for any subscription business really, and I think that's hmm. a really good example of using AI to understand patterns in very what looks like to us complex
1: data. Hmm. Yes, I think AI is, uh, is really strong in, in finding valuable insights from enormous amounts of data that seem uh, meaningless to us, but uh, with prediction algorithms, which are based, the basis of AI, then um, we can automatically detect uh, almost invisible patterns or trends in data uh, that we would never have been able to find manually.
0: And do you think that um, all you were just saying earlier, that the way people might access that in the future when it becomes a bit more commonplace is that you're not necessarily creating your own artificial intelligence to go and integrate this data or interpret this data. You you almost might have a search box and say, and as part of your marketing automation, you say, I want to, at this point, target people who are and almost have like a fuzzy search to say, I want to target people who are likely to cancel. So you (laughs) don't know what that data looks like. But you put in your intent for what you want to happen and then the the um, AI will look at that data for you. Is that the, is that the way you're thinking about it?
1: Uh, yes, that would be something called churn prediction where mm-hmm. we have an AI algorithm that predicts who will stop purchasing from us. Uh, however, I would probably not use that to send a manual mail shot uh, whenever I manually want to do that. I would probably uh, build some marketing automation logic. That is triggered by the churn prediction algorithm, such that the churn prediction algorithm runs every night, for example, Mm -hmm. and provides a list of of everyone it thinks may stop purchasing from us, and we get that, say, nightly. Um, That is actually uh, sent to the marketing automation system. But when enrolls uh, these people in a re-engagement campaign, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps we provide some incentives for them to stay as customers, or we provide better onboarding information for the product they bought recently, or uh, perhaps even we have to, to automatically generate discount coupons to, to try to keep them uh, as customers. So. Uh, Term prediction is uh, one of the quite common use cases of AI in, in marketing already. Uh, but I would actually hook it up to, to a marketing automation system that would automatically uh, start re-engagement logic that tries to rescue those customers rather than sitting with a list and, and um, manually sending a mail shot uh, to those people.
0: Yeah. So let's say this is implemented well. Do you think that this disconnects us from our customers if we are relying on this logic too much with artificial intelligence and um, and we aren't part of that data? Or do you think it actually allows us to engage more with the customers at the right time?
1: Uh, I would say that it largely uh, means that we can engage much better. Mm. Uh, there are probably a few cases where that is not true. Uh, Perhaps chat robots, which many think uh, is the same as AI in marketing, Mm -hmm. um, is perhaps a step back. But largely, AI can be helping us to become more relevant and engage better. Uh, because we can target the right information to the right person uh, at the right time, uh, much much better than without AI.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can see definitely see the the benefits and have certainly read about them. And um, actually, it's good good point you mentioned bots. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about bots and how they you know how they might differ mm-hmm. from this and and some of the pitfalls that people come across?
1: Yeah, I think there are two types of um, chat robots. Um, so uh, one type is uh, actually not so so much based on AI, it's more a Mm. flowchart, where you design the conversational flow. Um, And uh, I would say that the majority of chatbots you see on websites today are actually not using very much AI. And then we have uh, chat robots that try to be really, really intelligent and trying to mimic the the full uh, intelligence of, of human beings. Um, but these aren't uh, really very successful yet. I think they may be in five years time but at this point in time I think most chatbots you see really aren't uh, AI based at all or to very little extent. Yeah. Um, perhaps they use AI for um, understanding uh, you know what emotional mode someone is in if they are happy or unhappy but the actual conversational flow is largely driven by just traditional flow chart logic basically. That mm. um, controls the conversational flow
0: and that that for me can be sometimes more irritating than having um just a person on the line where you can where they can interpret that better so i think we're in Mm. this muddy middle ground at the moment and until artificial intelligence can meet a basic a reasonable call handler or someone who's able to manually uh, work on a a chat then Mm. uh, until it can meet that we're in this strange strange phase at the moment
1: But you can use AI in many ways to to improve the relationship uh, with uh, the customers. For example, there are uh, AI tools that measure the relationship strength Mm -hmm. between your company and your customers um, in the uh, CRM system. So they actually give you a uh, numerical calculation on how strong the relationship is between your company and your customer company. Uh, There are tools that uh, use AI to enrich the data uh, about your customers in the CRM system. So, these tools go out on the internet and find more information about customers and contacts working for those customers and they automatically um, enrich the data uh, in the CRM system such that we get to get to know more about these people. Um, There are even, uh, this perhaps is the most surprising use of AI I have found in marketing, but there is actually an AI uh, tool that uh, assesses uh, the performance of public speakers uh, oh, really? Scoring how public speakers are, are are performing on stage and help them improve their performances. And uh, that is pretty far out, I would say, and uh, quite unusual. But uh, AI makes its way into into uh, you know all the marketing software we have already. Uh, for example, there is a very good use of AI in content strategy if you want to write better blog posts because they should be better engaging and, and cover the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, or because you want to rank better on, on you know, Google search engine results, for example. There are um, AI-based uh, content strategy tools that help you uh, achieve those aims. There are uh, content uh, per, um, uh, curation tools mm-hmm. that can find interesting blog posts that you can recommend to your customers. But instead of finding 10 blog posts that you want to recommend your customers, uh, this tool will generate the curation list of articles, For each individual lead. So say you want to send a weekly mail shot to your 100,000 leads uh, and recommend interesting reading to those 100,000 leads uh, in a weekly email. Then there are tools that can create uh, 100,000 emails and send it to 100,000 people. Uh, But each individual person gets its own uniquely um, signed curation list with with articles that likely interest that specific person. Mm.
0: Oh, right. So yes. So each, each email sent out is tailored to that specific recipient based on um, what, you know, their trends, previous trends or, or maybe other history that they've had. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that, what, what you mentioned there, sort of diving out onto the Internet, collecting additional information to enrich the data set you've already got. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of companies have been doing that already, um, some doing it in the background for very shady purposes. I mean, in your book, you mentioned Facebook and uh, um, Cambridge Analytica. And that's a well-known mm. case study where they, they've effectually done something similar, sort of enriching these. They, uh, they may have done it through artificial intelligence or manually, but they've effectually sort of enriched data. Do you see any downsides to this in terms of using marketing automation and artificial intelligence-led marketing automation um, in terms of providing these sort of incorrect judgments on someone? So it's going out, finding data and pulling the wrong information.
1: So I think that largely it is not such a big problem to most people because they would use it for, you know, good purposes and just try to <laughs> just try to make your emails uh, better, yeah. targeted be more relevant information and, and stuff like that. Um, but uh, whenever companies like Cambridge Analytica actively try to use that to affect the outcome of public elections, mm. then I think it becomes quite scary. It does, um, yeah. in, in China, actually, uh, the, uh, the government of China uses AI to score, uh, all the citizens of uh, of our country and based on uh, how you behave uh, what you tweet on twitter or or if you are you know, speeding or doing something else they don't like then you get a lower credit score and that may affect affect that person such that they are no longer allowed to buy a plane ticket or or, you know get treatment in a hospital or or things like that and um, that is a little bit scary i think
0: it is it actually reminds me of a black mirror episode i don't know if you've watched that uh, series which is now on netflix um where there, a woman is in this world where there's very much a social scoring that's taking place and for every transaction you would rate other people and your social score will impact your standing in society and, and whether you can get a mortgage or whether you can um, be in a certain area and i yeah, uh, yeah and it, it seemed crazy until you look at china and they've got this in place already
1: to some extent yeah. Yes. So it's not uh, the future, it's it's actually here.
0: Yeah. It's right now, yeah. Um, yeah. So you've got a chapter on this book on ethics and how this affects society. Al, my mm. co-host for the other side of our podcast, is particularly interested in the ethics of artificial intelligence and computers mm. Uh, mm. and how companies use it. Um, do you think... Do you think we're ready uh, for this technology as a society? I mean, there's a lot of people who who don't realize the amount of data that big companies like Facebook and many others are collecting. Do you think we're ready for this and understand so, the, the real depth of it?
1: So I want myself to collect more data about the website visitors uh, that come to my website mm. because I want to provide a better experience and provide information that is more engaging to to them. Uh, and in that sense, I think that is quite okay. Uh, but when we talk about Cambridge Analytica affecting public elections and stuff, then, then I think it really does become quite scary. And um, at least in Sweden, where I live, uh, politicians seem to be the group of, of people with least technical knowledge of, of us all. Right. And I think mm. that is uh, not very good, because yeah. I think AI needs to be legislated uh, to some extent, uh, because it will probably get out of hand if it is completely uncontrolled. And uh, in Europe, we now have its GDPR legislation that also uh, does touch AI and, and what, we, what we do with data uh, relating to AI processing and stuff. But uh, I, I think there will be uh, probably more examples in the future, uh, not just Cambridge Analytica. Uh, I think we will see other large scale um, scandals uh, relating to, to um, yeah, AI being used or, or misused. Yeah. I versus a mistake. I reverse a mistake or or on purpose by by bad people.
0: Yeah, that's right. But that, that's thats sometimes the problem with with these tools, which I, I agree are great. I mean, I'm very much for um, the use of this technology and, and seeing how far it can go. Um, I'm a fan of science fiction, so this is really seeing a lot of it come
1: to reality. But So I, have, uh, I, I mentioned a couple of uh, other things in the book. So my previous industry was the Internet of Things or, yeah. or um, the electronic products that connect to the internet such that you can measure things with them. And uh, you have some some quite interesting things you can do with that and some ethical problems as well. Say for example that a um, grocery shop uh, collects information about uh, the purchase patterns from their point-of-sale terminals. Mm -hmm. Then they could probably detect that a specific person is likely to die from some disease because their purchase pattern matches uh, people who, you know, have a certain disease and and perhaps later die. So should then the grocery store contact this person or maybe the hospital and and tell them that we can see from the purchase patterns what food they buy, that we we think that this person might likely have, have, uh, you know, a deadly disease. And if we warn them and the the prediction was wrong, then, uh, then that would be highly popular as well. So that is one example. Uh, another example is uh, I, I have had uh, an internet-connected bathroom scale for years. Uh, so that is not really very novel uh, anymore. Uh, the bathroom scale connects to the internet mm-hmm. and obviously upload my weight change patterns to, to the uh, cloud server of that supplier. So they know exactly how I gain or lose weight. Now adding a little bit of fairly simple AI uh, technology on top of, of that data, uh, they could probably detect that I will likely gain weight four weeks down the road. Yeah. Because my weight change pattern I have now, before I actually gain weight, still matches the g- uh, weight yeah. change patterns of those that in the past have shown to gain weight. So they can then s- s- start to send me emails with even healthier recipes, or even change my automatic food supply uh, delivery service. Uh, to prevent the weight uh, change um, to happen in the first place.
0: Yeah, and actually actually, when you have uh, all of those services linked up, so your scales are linked uh, with data from the shops that you go to, from the posts you put online, from your activity, from your watch, putting all those together might give health agencies a much better idea about how people are living.
1: Absolutely. And I recently bought the Apple Watch 4, mm. which uh, at least in the US apparently can can warn that you are going to have a heart attack within the next day or two or something yeah. like that. I think that is not switched on, at least not in Sweden due to uh, you know certification uh, documents missing still. But technically, the watch can actually detect that I'm having a heart attack or will have one within a day. Uh, but if that data gets out of hand, uh, then that's highly sensitive and, you know, the ethical questions relating to people gaining access to such data is, is quite severe, I think.
0: Yeah. And um, I think it's just it's worth everyone em- embracing the technology, but trying to understand it in, in a way of how it affects society and whether, um, whether there, are, there should be sort of uh, air gaps between certain elements of data to protect. And it, it's a I mean, difficult decision.
1: Yes, but you can use the same technologies to harvest data uh, and apply AI um, analytics on top of that and drive marketing from that, even if that data is not related to to how people behave. Mm -hmm. So I I took one example in the book as well. Uh, If you have a windmill farm, for example, you can hook up the ball bearings of the windmills um, to the Internet and you can measure the vibration patterns and the heat patterns of, of the ball bearings in the windmill. And using AI technologies, we can then predict that this specific ball bearing is about to break down (laughs) in four weeks time. And uh, we can then, uh, if this is hooked up to the marketing automation system, we can then send an email or a sales email to the operator or owner of this windmill that we produced um, and tell them that your windmill, uh, Mr. Jones, will likely break down in two or four weeks. And so uh, click here to purchase the spare parts such that they are um, um, delivered uh, in time before the machine breaks down or actually we can replace them in advance uh, to prevent the machine from breaking down in the first place
0: yeah absolutely and save more more problems with uh, further uh, that it yeah, causes yeah. down the line yeah absolutely yes
1: so this is called a predictive maintenance, uh, and that is a very big thing now in industry. Uh, but I suspect that if we connect uh, predictive uh, maintenance data from the industry or machinery uh, to marketing automation systems, then we will have automated marketing systems that will uh, sell spare parts and services automatically based on the health of any particular machine, uh, based on how that machine operates and are being used.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good use for it. Um, what, have, you, have you come across any challenges in implementing marketing automation?
1: Yes, if we uh, return to the more basic marketing automation that most companies probably we use rather than the very uh, you know futuristic AI stuff. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the major problem with marketing automation is that people don't understand um, how much content production it uh, generates. <laughs> yes. Um, Because uh, marketing automation is about sending more targeted information to the right person at the right time. Mm. That means that you need to develop a lot more content to fit all the different interests of different people at different times. So instead of sending one uh, weekly newsletter email, for example, you need to send five. Because you have five different buyer personas or five classes of customers, all with different interests. And then that increases the need for email copy by five times and then you need to double the amount of uh, lead magnet uh, pdfs uh, you know white papers and stuff and um, uh, largely i would say that uh, it is misunderstood that that marketing automation also generates uh, a need for a lot more content production
0: yeah i can i can i've certainly seen that in the past uh, with our, our experience definitely um so to round off this interview, do you have any pieces of, uh, maybe two pieces of marketing advice that you could recommend to people? If they if they uh, want to get ahead or get started in marketing automation, then maybe take it further with um, um, further reading into artificial
1: intelligence. Hmm. So my golden and role uh, in marketing automation is, is actually two. First, uh, every page on the website should have absolutely minimum one uh, call to action button that drives traffic to a landing page with a registration form that offers some down- free download of some sort mm-hmm. uh, to generate more leads uh, from the website. But every registration form you have on your on, on your website should also start a an automated follow-up sequence, uh, basically a sales funnel that can include things like uh, webinars, videos to watch, Um, online booking Mm -hmm. calendars where customers can book uh, consultation calls automatically themselves and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, have one call to action or more uh, on every page on the website. Make sure that every registration form uh, starts some kind of automated uh, marketing process uh, that puts your business on autopilot. And secondly, I would say that Uh, If you have a marketing automation system, make sure to integrate it with all the other IT systems you may use such that the marketing automation system get access to all the data that could help it uh, uh, deliver even more relevant information at the right time.
0: Yeah, very sensible um lovely thank you very much really good to speak to you um uh, and i appreciate and um, we, we went into the darker side of um ai <laughs> at the end um can i just uh, mention a few links here for, for people if they're interested um now i'm going to uh, mispronounce your domain name but i will spell it so it's uh which is spelled u-n-e-m yr.com so if people want to go there and you uh, also have a marketing automation course which people can sign up to uh, and a guide so i will put the link to that in there and that that will give people a, a bit more information on um and follow-up really on what you've been speaking about um and i will also put a link into your um data-driven marketing uh, with artificial intelligence book uh, on amazon so people can have a have a read of that and get hold of that um thank you Yeah, but I do appreciate it. So thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Let's keep in contact. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like this interview, you can visit ratherinventive.com slash podcast and listen to more interviews with fascinating people plus our monthly podcast on business, creativity and the web. To get the latest episodes the moment they are available, you should subscribe directly in Apple Podcasts, Overcast or whichever podcast player you use. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm at Ben on Twitter, or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. Bye.